I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. I read into your hearing a scripture that we've been reading for the past couple of weeks, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Somebody says it's a gift. He says, now, salvation is not a reward for your good, the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. Amen? We got nothing to brag about. Amen? You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our third and final sermon in this little series that we have called Simply Amazed in Grace. Amen? And I have been defining grace this way. It says, the love and kindness shown to someone who does not deserve it. That's what the song just got through saying. We don't deserve it, but in spite of that, God gave us grace anyway. Especially for those who, you know, who, 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 who don't deserve God's favor and his mercy because of our sins. In spite of that, God shows us forgiveness, and all of that is based upon his grace. So the second de definition I use was the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. So I have been saying that grace is a gift from God that is expressed in his actions of extending loving kindness, mercy, and salvation to lost people. And I've said that that is people who have acted against him, not for him. Amen? Grace is God's was manifested in Jesus Christ when he made it possible for him to forgive our sins when Jesus was sacrificed for us, bringing us into the body of Christ. The Bible says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen? So today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, real quick. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And we use this passage to continue to make the case that Jesus was the manifestation of God's grace and that God made the decision long ago to adopt us. Somebody say adopt. To adopt us into his family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So we praise him for that. That glorious act of extending grace to us through Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise. Amen. You remember last week we say every now and then you're going to have to praise the Lord. Amen. For his grace. So today he repeat that. I mean that theme of praising God for what he has done is a theme that runs throughout the Bible. So we look at this. In verse 3 it says now of uh, Ephesians chapter 1 it says all praise to God. Somebody say all praise to God. See praise is just to exalt God, to exalt, uh, honor God, to magnify God, to give him thanks. Even in our worship is an act of Praise. So, so praise is just not something we do on Sunday. Amen. And in church, praise is something that you can always do. You can always give God thanks. You can always exalt him. You can always magnify him. Praise is not always something that you know you have to do, you know, on, on a schedule. I mean, it can be spontaneous. You know, we can just take a praise break right now. 
you know, you can be driving your car and just give God some praise. Amen. I mean, so, so sometimes we think it has to be rehearsed, but it's best when it just happens. Amen. And, and, and you know, praise is not always uh, expressed outwardly. Sometimes you just want to just cry. I mean, you know, every, I know some of y'all, you know, say y'all ain't like that. Y'all ain't got no emotion. You're just lying to yourself. But so if you don't, you, tears is emotion. Amen. Amen. <laughs> See, look, he said in verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, that realm that is beyond earth and the, beyond the material things that we can see, because we are united with Christ. In other words, God has already blessed us with everything we need to do to get saved and to live eternally. Heavenly. This is not talking about earthly blessings. Earthly blessings are okay. God don't have a problem with you having a house, a car, money, 401k, anything you got. He ain't got no problem with that. But they are earthly. They are not going with you. Amen. You're going to leave them here for somebody else to have after you're gone. So therefore, our focus should not be on earthly things, but our focus should be on Heavenly things, things that have united us with Christ. He, look what he says here in verse 4. He says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Somebody say chose us. So you are chosen people. You just don't know it. And God made that decision before he made the world. God chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So God made a decision that we had nothing to do with. Amen. Amen. And because he made that decision when we accept Christ by faith, then we're just falling in line what he wanted from the beginning. Amen. This was God's plan. Look here. Verse 5, talk about God decided in advance. Somebody say in advance. In advance to adopt you into his own family. Bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ. Now look at you in God's family. That's an honor and a privilege to come with benefits. Amen. You have an inheritance because you have, been, you have been adopted. You know, adopted children get the same rights as natural children. Amen. I'm learning that now in the court system. An adopted child get every right and benefit of a child that is born naturally into the family. So it don't make no difference what people say about you or who you think you are. You just need to know you have been a and you are in the family of God. So you can boldly declare, I am a child of God. Why? Because I have been a, and I am entitled to every benefit, every privilege that he said that he gave somebody else, his natural born children, guess what? They belong to, y'all like, like y'all don't want something that belongs to you. You just don't know your status in the body of Christ. You have been adopted. God chose you. Amen. Bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ. Look here. That was what he, that is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Man, God got pleasure out of adopting you. I mean, he, he got pleasure. He got great joy, Brother JP, out of adopting you. Brother Anthony, when he adopted you, he got pleasure. And what you got to understand, if him adopting you gave him pleasure, you got to live out what he experienced. In other words, if you know God got pleasure when he adopted you, you got to act like you're an appreciated, adopted child of God, and don't let nobody cause you to live below your privileges. Amen. Y'all better hear me today. <laughs> he said he got great pleasure 
Mm. He said, now, because we understand it gave him great pleasure, the Bible then say, so we do what? Praise God. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. I don't know what that means to you, but I, whatever it means to you, you ought to do it right about now, because we, we can have one of those on the, on, the, on the spot of the moment praise break. So he said, now look, so we praise God, because I know I've been adopted, I know who I am, and therefore now I have a right to just praise God for the glorious grace, the glorious grace. In other words, you know, grace is so beautiful that it invokes God's feelings. And it invokes our feeling. He says, he, we praise God for his glorious grace. He has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Now look at this. There is no shortage of God's grace. Amen. I think somebody say, thank God. We thank God that there is no shortage of God's grace. The, verse 7 says, he is so rich. He ain't just rich, Brother JP, so rich. I mean, he got yachts upon yachts, if he, we want to put it in natural terms. So rich. I mean, we classify people who's filthy rich because they own an island. God owned the world. He is so rich. And because he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and forgave our sins. Man, that's grace right there. He purchased our freedom with the blood of Jesus and forgave our sin. So therefore, our freedom came at a cost. And the cost that he paid was Jesus Christ. And because I know what he paid for me, then now that determines how much I am worth. Worth is determined based upon what a person is willing to pay for it. The only reason Louis Vuitton is so expensive because someone is willing to pay that much for it. If people stop buying them, the price will go. That's why stuff go on sale. They intended to sell it for $3,000, but when folk wasn't paying the $3,000, you can get it marked down at $1,500. It was never worth $3,000. It was only worth that because somebody was willing to pay for it. So your value is determined by what God was willing to pay for you. And he purchased our freedom with the blood of Jesus. Look at this. He says, he has showered his kindness on us. Man, he keep using these, these, these words, showered. I mean, he just poured it out on us. And, and, and he did that along with all his wisdom and understanding. Meaning that if you want to act and live wisely, you can. God done poured it out. You just got to start acting it out. Amen. You got understanding now. You can understand what God expects from you and how you want to live your life in according to his word. Why? Because he poured out something on you and it's, it's your job to now walk in what he has poured Sometimes you just got to get to the point where you realize and actualize what God has done for you. Amen. It's one thing to understand it. It's another thing to live it. Amen. Amen. We understand a lot of things, but we don't always live what we... And it's time for us to start living what we understand. Yeah. It's time for us to start acting like we know who we are and living what we understand. In Ephesians chapter 2, 
verse 4 through 10. In chapter 2, Paul continues to remind us that we were once, somebody say once. We were once, at some point in time in the past, we were once dead spiritually because of our disobedience and sin. We lived and practiced sin just like the rest of the world, refusing to obey God. Somebody shout once. Say once, that means we was like that, but now we're no longer like that. Amen? He said, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. In other words, we were physically alive, but our sins rendered us spiritually dead. In other words, we were unresponsive to God, alienated from him, and incapable of experiencing all that he has poured out for us. But instead of pouring out his wrath on us, God gave us amazing See, the first three verses of this chapter present a hopeless humanity trapped in sin under Satan's power, unable to save itself. Then follows the glorious small word, but God. But God. But God was a game changer. But God changed things around. We was trapped in doom, but Look at this. He says, now look at verse 4. He says, in spite of that situation, but God is so rich in his mercy. And he loved us so much. Not just much, but so much. Kind of like God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believe on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So, you got to know God loved you so much. Because you know and understand that you won't undervalue yourself. Amen. You won't sell yourself short. You'll see yourself like God see you because you realize just how much he. He says he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Now look at this, verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. In other words, now you got to get really spiritual right there because that's not a natural statement there. You got to understand that, hey, even though you're here on earth, you're seated somewhere far above where you are standing. You got to know where you are seated in the heavenly realm. You've been seated with Christ. And so therefore, because I know who I am, I know where my position lies, then I got to start living like I know where I am united with Christ. Look at this, verse 7. So God can point to us. Somebody say point to us. You know, I had to stop right there on the words point to us. Brother Anthony, it's almost like we're in a court of law. Those are legal terms. So God can point to you and say, look at exhibit A. That is exhibit A that grace is real, that, that grace exists. Because I can look at Anthony and see where he is now based upon where he was, and I can say, that's exhibit A. I can, I can look at Lisa and say, Lisa is a pointing out 
so that the world will know that God, great. Brother Wilson, I know you was a good guy, but you exhibit Finley. You ain't never did that wrong in your life, man, but now because of grace, you ex Somebody ought to hashtag that. I'm exhibit A. I'm the one that can stand on trial and say, look at me. I'm living proof that God grace. That Some of y'all just don't want God to point at you, but look at, because you don't want him to point at you don't mean you're not, that, that, that you are not capable of having grace. You just got to realize who you are. You got to realize, hey, there's nothing wrong with being exhibit Exhibit A convinced the jury. Exhibit A caused the other opposing attorney to look down and say, I ain't got nothing else to say. Why? Because this case is... <laughs> your case before God, as far as your sin is concerned, is over because Exhibit A... Oh, God, some of y'all want God to point at y'all for the wrong thing, but I want you to point at you because of grace. Look here, let me read on, man. I wasn't supposed to get happy right there, but I just, when, I, when stuff stopped me, you know, I just have to do what the Lord say. He said, now look, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. In other words, but you know, Anthony exhibit A, man, you know, Anthony was a dog at one time. Bolton was a dog at one time. Don't y'all look at me and Anthony. Some of y'all were just dogs and cats too at one time. But because of grace, here you are, guilty as all our door, but now God done changed your life and you exhibit. <laughs> I'm exhibit A. <laughs> Some of y'all too cute. Some of y'all too stuck up to be exhibit. You ex And an exhibit is not made to be hid. It's made to stand out in court so everybody Oh, God, he says, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. So look at this. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. Why? Because it is a from God. If he gave it to you, you can't buy it. You can't go out and work for it. You can't do nothing to earn it. Why? Because it is a gift. And if you receive it, that gift is yours. Nobody can take it back from you. You can only give it to somebody else. And why would you gift your grace to somebody else when you need all the grace you can? You know, if he gave you some grace, he gave somebody else grace. They got the same measure of grace that you got. You just need to start walking and exhibiting yourself like you are I am exhibit. Brother Wilson, we ought to hashtag that. You're a businessman. You got creative ideas, man. We can hashtag that. You know, we make him make some grace off of that. Exhibit. Man, that thing just stuck with me. Exhibit A, man. Because I'm always looking at those court cases. You know, I've been watching the Lincoln lawyer. I've been watching that. I got cut off on that. He always, like, exhibit. 
And then he show a film at the exhibit A, and that film kind of reveals stuff to the jury. And all of a sudden, everybody starts looking down because he know, hey, this baby's won now. This case is over because I had a... Good God Almighty, some of y'all got the potential to close some cases in this world, man. You just need to present yourself as a... Now look at this. I want to mess with y'all a little bit more down here in the bottom here in a minute, a few minutes. He says, now, verse 8, God saved you by his grace, okay, and when you believe, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done. None of us can boast about it. Now look at this. I like what he says here in verse 10. For we are God's You know, masterpieces are valuable. They ain't cheap copies of prints. See, oh Lord, help me. I, I'm gonna get in. I, I was fighting not to say this today, but I know I'm online and I know some young folk out there need to he hear this. Somebody need, I, I was scared to say this, Brother JP, but I, but I know God didn't give me a spirit of fear. But man, that thing hit me. You know, if you realize you're a masterpiece, you will never be somebody's side. Oh my God. Oh, oh, good God, oh, oh, my God, oh, man, that thing hit me hard, I say, I can't say that, striving can't handle that, but you need to know, you a master. Help yourself. Glory to God. Glory to God. For we are his masterpiece. You are God's greatest work. Of all the things he created, you're his greatest word. And look here. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned so long ago. In other words, God had plans for us a long time ago. You know you're exhibit A. Now you know you're a masterpiece. And therefore, since you know you're a masterpiece, you got to act like you're valuable. You got to act like you're worth something. So you don't let people undervalue you, marginalize you, or make you think you're less than anybody else. You need to say, hey, I'm a masterpiece. God created me to be a masterpiece. I'm going to live, I'm going to act, I'm going to talk like I know who I am because I know my worth. And when I know my worth, nobody can take that from me. I'm not worth something because of what you say. I'm worth something because God paid a price for me, and he called me a masterpiece. Oh, God said, God said we're a masterpiece. God said you're a masterpiece, not a side piece. You're a masterpiece. You ain't no side chick or no side dude. You're a If you can't be the masterpiece, don't you be no piece. You get a piece of nothing here. Oh, Lord, have mercy. 
I know I'm getting in trouble. Yeah, young folks, you just have to forgive me. I just had to throw that in because I, I, I know that's how y'all talk today. See, that in my time, I, I didn't know nothing about no side piece. We ain't called no side piece. They just had different terminology. We, Robin, stop fanning over there. Stop fanning over there. Oh, God, help me. Let me move on. Oh, God. We didn't have too much fun with that right there. I told you, that the spirit dropped that on me this morning. When I was just reviewing, that just dropped down. So I knew somebody online need to hear that. None of y'all in here need to hear that. But somebody out there online, that was for them today. Amen? So I want to close with uh, uh, taking a look at 1 Corinthians 15, 9, and 10. I'm going to take a minute to set this up. And so... Before we get too deep into that, I want to talk about the man who wrote the song that was the inspiration behind this series. See, his name was John Newton. He was a, a, a notorious slave trader who eventually became a captain of his own slave ship. Now, in accordance with the 101 hymns by Kenneth Osbeck, that's the book I got this out of, on March 10th, 1748, while returning to England from Africa, during a real serious stormy voyage, when it appeared that all would be lost, he says that Newton was reading a book called Imitation of Christ. And the message of the book and the frightening experience at sea were used by the Holy Spirit to sow a seed into Newton's heart that would eventually lead to his conversion and the acceptance of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Goes on to say that eventually he felt the inhumane aspect of his work. Now this is a guy who was no good, low down, got saved, and felt the inhumane aspect of his work. And we live in a state where the governor is trying to tell us that was nothing inhumane about slavery. And this guy was a slave trader, and he felt the inhumane aspect of his work and became a strong and effective advocate and a crusader against slavery. Britain finally abolished slavery in 1833, it's about 30-some-odd years before America did. During this time, he accepted the call of God to preach the gospel. And he was a trained and ordained, and large crowds would gather to hear this old converted sea captain talk about his experience and how he got saved. The story goes on to say Newton loved to sing hymns that expressed simple, heartfelt words and expressions versus just singing sedate songs. And I had to kind of look up that sedate thing, you know, some music at that time was kind of common, low key, Presbyterian-like. So Newton wanted to jazz it up a little bit. So he went from psalm to what we sing in hymns. Now we done took hymns to a whole nother level now. 
you know, what we used to call hymns ain't working today for a lot of folk. But we're going to take a look at one here in a minute. But, but what, he, what he did, he upped the game just a little bit. And when he couldn't find enough hymns for his purpose, he began to write his own. And the greatest one that he wrote was simply called Amazing Grace. Now, before we read Corinthians 15, I want to just, we're going to listen to a rendition of the song in a minute. But I want to read the inscription that he had put on his tombstone. So obviously he wrote this before he died. And it reads like a testimonial rather than name, date of birth, date of death, rest in peace. This is what the man wrote to be put on his tombstone. Now the books say it's still standing today somewhere in England. You can still go there and read his words that he said about himself. He says, John Newton, clerk. I mean, he was part of the clergy, a preacher of some sort, or an administrator. Once, somebody said once, that word is again. Once an infidel. Now, I had to go look up that because I don't use words like that every day, but I knew it had to be something bad. When you say once, he was that, he ain't that no more. An infidel, a person with no religious belief. I definitely had to look up this last one because he said he was a libertine. I thought it meant liberty at first. <laughs> thought he liked his freedom, you know, liberty. Okay, but, but it was, he did. Libertine, that's a person that is devoid of most moral principles or sexual restraint. This brother used to smash all the time. That's all he did. And he put that on his tombstone. I once was a smasher. That's what he said, I once. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. I know I'm getting in trouble right now. But, but, but when you look up that libertine word, it got a whole lot of other meaning. I didn't get them all. But that ain't a good word to call yourself a... It means that you just have sex without restraints. They don't call it sex no more. That's, they smashed now. They smashed. So I'm just bringing it up to 2023. Guess what else he said? A servant of slavers in Africa was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, preserved. In other words, in spite of what I was, God, through Christ, preserved me. Restored. In other words, he brought me back to my original state. Pardon. He forgave me. And, 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 and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Mm, mm, mm. That's on his tombstone. And this is a man who wrote amazing. After living a life like that, he had to believe in God's. And I believe he must have learned something from the Apostle Paul's testimony. When he determined that it was by grace that God changed him. And that he was this low-down, insolent guy who was going around persecuting and killing folk. All in the name of what he thought was right, 
realizing that he was an enemy, not realizing that he was an enemy of God. So I believe Newton may have looked at this passage in Corinthians and found that, hey, my life lines up like Paul's life. And if God's amazing grace could be extended to him, surely he could extend grace to me. Paul said this in, in verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, for I'm the least of the apostles. Of the apostles. I'm the least of them. I'm not, I'm not considered to be like Peter and John and James and Zebedee and all the rest of them. They walked with Jesus. They was his friends from the beginning. But I fought against him. So therefore, when it comes to being an apostle, I am the In fact, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I'm not even worthy of the position that the Lord then gave me. All because of my past, all because of what I've done, all because I persecuted his very church. I tried to destroy the very faith that he got me preaching now. That's what Paul is saying. But then in verse 10, he had this moment when he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Good God Almighty, all of y'all can say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I know who I am, and I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am. And look here, and his grace toward me was not in vain. That's what Newton was trying to say. Once I got saved, I wasn't going to let God's grace go to waste. I'm going to do something to try to change situations, change people's lives. I'm going to live for him, and I'm going to live in a way that is not going to be a vain. Don't let grace be wasted in your life. He says his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored. Somebody say I labored. I labor more abundantly than them all. In other words, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling the truth. The mother boys worked, but they didn't labor as hard as I did. Now, it's not because I was smarter than they were or anything like that. It was probably because I had so much to clean up that they didn't have to clean up. See, them boys walked with him, and, and they were pretty good guys. They were fishermen. They had a pretty good life before they met Jesus, so they didn't have to clean up a lot of stuff. But I had to work hard because nobody wanted to believe that I could be saved. So I couldn't just walk in and start talking about this. I had to prove that I could be exhibit A. I had to prove that I could be that example that God's grace can be extended to someone who don't deserve it. I had to work hard had to work hard. I labor more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Now you know, uh, amazing grace used to be, and still is in probably a lot of traditional churches, a staple. I mean, when we was coming up, if you didn't know no other song, you had to know Amazing grace. And we ain't know about a couple of verses because after verse three, we just started. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We ain't know nothing. But we, we, we got that wretched undone part. We, we, we got that. And look here, and, and look here, it was so prominent in the church I grew up in. Reb couldn't even get up and preach on Sunday. 
The choir had to introduce him with amaze and grace. And you know what? That song is out, has outlived so many other songs that have come afterwards. You know, we'd have been singing a whole lot of songs in this church that were written by a whole lot of people. But I tell you what, 300 years from now, nobody is going to be singing some of the stuff you're singing right now. But 300 years from now, someone's still going to be talking about amazing. Because grace is going to outlive what everybody else is writing right now. Grace is going to outlive that. It's amazing grace. That extend, was extended to us, even though we were not worthy, God extended grace. And we thank God. We thank God. We thank God. Now, you, you can go out there online and find a whole different versions of that song, sung by a whole lot of different people. But look here. I got the revelation. Because we could identify with that slave ship. We could identify with the people on that slave ship. I believe that's why when we sing Amazing Grace, we sing with a little bit more soul, a little bit more emphasis, because we got some connection to what this guy was experiencing, because he was putting our folk through the very thing that God forgave him for. And he saw, called it Amazing Grace. We don't do it like that no more. That just, that, that just don't sell. But let me tell you what. That album was the highest grossest album that Aretha Franklin ever put out. Amen. So more copy than any other. I thought, would have thought, you know, to love a man like nobody else loved a man. And do right woman, do right man. I would have thought all those would have been, been number one. You know, respect. I would have thought all those would have been her number one here. But the album... Amazed and grace. Sold more copies than any other album that she put out. You know the girl put out a whole. So it was something about crossing over to Jesus that made folks buy her. Give God a handcuff of praise. We were all wretches undone. But because of grace, God saved us. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed.